Where is God in that? You're going to like this. Genesis chapter 5 is where we'll be today. Uh, So I was in Bible college. And, you know, somewhere along the line when I was a teenager, I went from being real shy to the complete opposite. And that's where I am now. Like, I just don't meet a stranger, and I'll talk to anybody, and I tell everybody way too much information, and, and I, pr- I talk way too much. You look at you laughing, because you know I'm right. Like, I talk way too much. And, and so, uh, so I, everybody, everyone knew I was in Bible college, and I assumed that that might have had something to do with, with what happened. I went to Sunday school class, and we were in the sanctuary for Sunday school class. And it was a pretty good-sized class. And this woman was off that day. She was weeping a little bit, and, and I'm not a good counselor uh, at all. If you've ever wept in my presence, you know I'm not going to hug you. It, if I did, I'd be like, you're, you're good. And so she's like, I'm not good with this lady. I don't know what to do. She's sitting near me and she's kind of sobbing and weeping and she's blowing her nose and she's wiping her eyes. And, and so they take prayer requests and she speaks up and she says that her son is in college and her, fr- her son's friend, not her son, but her son's friend, the night before they had, um, they had been out drinking and partying and her son's friend Woke up, her son woke up to find his his friend dead, and he was uh, suffocated in a pile of his own vomit that he had thrown up and fell face first, and nobody knew, and he stayed there. I don't know if, how much of that story is true or not. I don't suspect she would lie. She's weeping and crying, but she turned to me, and she said, "Where is God in that?" I agree with you he's not in that, but I would ask you a real serious question. Do you take ministry seriously? Because when I'm in a situation like that, I, I don't want to smart off to the lady and be like, well, he wasn't in his drinking. So that, I mean, you get what I'm saying there, right? Like you, you want to minister to someone. They're hurting. They're obviously hurting. And, and it's not, I'm not there to pick an argument with them. We talk about drinking later. But, but listen, that's a real question. What do we do with this wickedness that's in the world and the pain and the suffering that's in the world and then answer the question, where is God in all of that? Where is God in the midst of all the pain and all the suffering and all the hurt? And God is He's in it. He says He's in it. He says He's in control. And so how can we answer where is God in the midst of all that pain? And I believe that today we're going to see five ways out of this list of names. We could probably come up with more, but I've picked five because I only have 40 minutes. Five ways that God is in a wicked world. Five things that God does in a wicked world. Let's read the genealogy first. It's Genesis chapter 5 and verse 1. Do you have it? All right, Genesis 5 and verse 1. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years and he had sons and daughters. And so all the days of Adam's life uh, that Adam lived, excuse me, were 930 years and he died. Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. And after he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years, and he had sons and daughters. And so all the, day, all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. Enosh lived 90 years and begot Canaan. After he begot Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. Canaan lived 70 years and begot Mahaliel. 
After he begot Mahaliel, Canaan lived 840 years and had sons and daughters. And so all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. Mahaliel lived 65 years and begot Jared. After he begot Jared, Mahaliel lived 830 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahaliel were 895 years and he died. Jared lived 162 years and he begot Enoch. And after he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. And so all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. Methuselah lived 187 years and begot Lamech. And after he begot Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. Lamech lived 182 years and had a son and he called his name Noah, saying, This one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because the ground the Lord has cursed. After he begot Noah, Lamech lived 595 years had sons and daughters, and so all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. And Noah lived 500 years old, and excuse me, and Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Let's go to the Lord first. We're going to need his help. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity, and thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you that you have convicted us that your entire word is important. And Father, I pray that you would speak in this message and that you would teach us. Lord, you didn't arbitrarily put a list of names down for us to struggle. You've put it here for us to learn more about you and to grow closer to you. And we pray that we would. So we seek you and only you. We are here to worship you. Would you please speak to our hearts through your word that we might know you more and that we might be known of you. Father, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, look. We go back to verse 1 and you're going to see this. This is the book of the genealogy and you say it so you don't go to sleep after a list of names. You say it. Genealogy of who? Adam. We've got the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of who? God. In the day that God created man, he made man in his own likeness. Now, let's go ahead and read verse 2 as well. He created them male and female, blessed them, and called, man, and called them mankind in the day that he created them. So you have the entire creation story kind of summed up in two verses here in chapter 5. God created man, and how did he create man? In his own likeness. Now, you've got to stick with this whole story. You've got to put the whole story together for this chapter to make any sense. When God created man in his own likeness, go back in your memory with me. We preached through this. I preached this a few weeks ago. And when I did, I told you that there were lots of ways that we are in the likeness of God. I couldn't enumerate all of them in a single sermon. And I want to give you one that we probably don't think of often. And it might sound shocking, but if you'll pay attention, it is true. One more way that God created man in his own likeness. God created man in his likeness, in his image. Are you ready? He created man completely sinless. God is sinless and he made man in his image. And he, when he made man, man was at that moment in time sinless. No sin. He had no sin. The garden was perfect. There's no death. There's no pain. There's no suffering. I personally believe that the animals weren't even eating each other. I think they were all eating plants. None of the animals were eating each other. No death. 
The lion's laying with the lamb. There's a peaceful garden of Eden. Everything is perfect. And that's where Adam and Eve were created. When God made man, he made him perfect. He made him in his image. No sin. Now look at verse 3. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Did you see the difference? Verse 1, God makes man in his image. Verse 3, Adam has a son, and Adam's son is named Seth, and Adam's son Seth, whose image is he in? Adam's. What happened with Adam between Genesis chapter 1 and now in Genesis chapter 5? Adam sinned, and he brought sin into the world. And when he brought sin into the world, just like all the... Did you notice their names and the length of time that they lived? I'm not going to sit here and go over all of those for you. They're living 800 years, 700 years, 900 years. There's lots of theories about why they could be living that long. I think it, we don't have to try to come up with a whole bunch of answers. God said they were living that long, and it's just one more proof that life is degenerating. What we see now is that we can't even come close to that. Life is just degenerating on the way down. And not only is life shortening, or the lifespan is going to shorten, when we get later into, into Abraham, you'll see that they go from like 900 all the way down to 150. You know, the lifespans are shorter and shorter and shorter. They're, they keep growing, or they keep shrinking to less and less and less, these long lifespans, and they're having lots of children. And so it's not hard to understand how the earth was populated. I mean, when we get to stories like Cain and Abel, and he says he's fearful of all the other people, why would he be fearful of all the other people? Well, goodness, Adam was over 100 years old when he had Seth. Do you get it? I mean, there's been, there's been a long amount of time here. My parents went from no grandkids to 13 grandkids in less than six years. That's a, that's a, lot, of, that's a lot of kids in a six-year time span. And I only, I only had six kids. I had the most in the family, but we only had six. I mean, these guys, we read Adam's like 900 years old, and he had sons and daughters, lots of them. And so they're populating. And with the population growth, guess what else is growing? Sin. Man makes another man. He procreates. And now his son, what is his son? That was Genesis chapter 4. His name is Cain. And Cain and Abel. And can you imagine for just a moment the devastation of Eve when Cain killed Abel? No, 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 no. Think about this. They, before, remember, there was no death. And the only death they've experienced to this point, as best as we know, was the sacrifice of animals. Can you imagine the scream in the distance that Adam heard when Eve yelled out that Abel was dead? And when Adam came running and grabbed her and embraced her, could you imagine as as Eve said, Cain did it. Cain killed Abel. Can you imagine the pain and the devastation? Cain can't be the seed. There's going to be this promised seed. He's supposed to bring the Messiah. He's supposed to bring the Savior. He's going to crush the head of the serpent. But it can't be Cain. And it can't be Abel. Abel's dead. Stick with me. You ready? Look, this is my first point. You've got to go back just a little bit. Genesis chapter 4, Cain kills Abel. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 25. Look in your Bible. So you're just one chapter back. You may not even have to turn. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again. You know what that means, right? Like he knew his wife again after, after Cain killed Abel. There's probably a period of time when they didn't know each other. Because it was probably pretty hard. But he knows her again. You get what we're saying. He knows his wife again. And look. 
in verse 25, he knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. Why did she name him Seth? She tells us why. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. Cain killed Abel. Cain goes on, remember last week, Cain made a whole city, and people went there. There's industry and they're doing metal work and there's music and there's entertainment and his city is being filled. Can you imagine as, as, as Adam and Eve, they brought sin into the world. They knew the world when it was perfect. They brought sin into the world. Cain kills Abel and now everybody goes to Cain's city? What in the world is God? Could you imagine as Eve probably thought to herself, has God just completely forgotten about us? What does God do in a wicked world? The first thing that God does is this. It comes from Genesis 4 and verse 25. For God appointed another seed for me instead of Abel. Are you ready for this? God in a wicked world, God preserves faith. Do you get that, what I'm saying there? You don't preserve faith. I don't preserve faith. It is not that I'm so, I'm so faithful. Oh, I'm so good. Listen, if it wasn't for God, we never would turn to Him. Do you understand that? God asks of us to have faith in Him, and He is the one that draws us to that faith. Without God drawing us first, I don't love Him. Without God coming to me first, I don't turn to Him. Where do I go? I'd go to Cain. I'd go to Enoch. Enoch, the city that he built. I would go the way of everybody else. But God preserves faith. Remember what Jesus said? Remember that, that, excuse me, not Jesus. Remember what the apostle said when he said that we love him because he loved us first. It's not that I ran to God. It's that God came to me and I'm putting my faith in what he's already done. God preserved faith. When the whole world is going crazy, when everybody's running to Canaan or to Cain, when everybody's running to Enoch, that wicked city that Cain had built, remember how it ended? At the end of that story, Cain is building this city. It's called Enoch. You've got all of these people who are moving there, and we end with a guy who kills somebody else. And what's his protection? He quotes from when his his great, 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 great grandfather killed his own brother. When Cain killed Abel, this guy named Lamech stands up, and that's his proclamation of protection. If Cain can be protected when he kills his brother, well, then Lamech should be protected as well. So generations upon generations later, what do we see? Sin is in the world. And when sin is in the world, what is God doing? God is preserving faith. And he gives this next line. He gives another seed. What do we mean another seed? Another seed that's going to bring the, the, the one who would crush the head of the serpent. Remember, God said in Genesis 3, there'd be one who'd crush the head of the serpent. It can't be Cain. It can't be Abel. God gives another seed. And that seed is the seed of Seth. And so God gave another to preserve faith. Y'all with me? All right, look. Check this out. So we're going to read on through a little bit. Verse 4. After he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years and he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Seth lived 105 years, and he begot Enosh. And after he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years, and he had sons and daughters. And so all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And here's where we're going to camp for a second in verse 9. Enosh lived 90 years and begot Canaan. And after he begot Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. The first thing that God does in a wicked world is he preserves faith. And here's the second thing that God does. 
he makes a way back to himself. You say, where do you see that? Where do you see it? There's Enosh. Enosh lived, he, was, he lived 90 years. He has a son, names him Canaan. After Canaan, he lives another 815 years. He has sons and daughters the whole time. And in verse 11, so all the days of Enosh were 905 years. How does that equate to that God makes a way back to him? Well, turn back one more time to Genesis chapter 4. And this time look at verse 25. I'm sorry, 26. We read 25. 25, Adam and Eve know each other and they have Seth. And God appointed another seed. Now look at the seed that comes from Seth. This is in verse 26. And Seth, as for Seth, to him also a son was born. And he named him... What is it? Enosh. We can all say that together. Let's try it again. And he named him. And then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. Cain goes off and makes his own city. It's a wicked city. Everybody's running to that city. They're all flocking there. Adam and Eve are probably devastated. I can't. Who would go to Cain's city? You don't think Adam and Eve were upset about that? When, when, when Adam and Eve's, when they're, when they're, children, their children's children, their children's children, and then what ends up being their like distant relatives when they find out that they're all making their way to Enoch? They're making their way to the wicked city. They're choosing to go with Cain after Cain killed Abel. But God gave them another seed. He gave them Seth. And from Seth came Enosh. And when Enosh was born, what do we read very specifically? Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Now I need you to stick with me. Who in the world's calling on the name of the Lord? Is that Enosh? Because that's plural in Hebrew and in English. That's plural. Men. Then men. They. Multiple people. Who's calling on the name of the Lord? Is, is it just Adam's seed? Or are we just dealing? Does, is God just preserving one seed in this, with this one line? Are they the only people who get to call on the name of the Lord? You ready? Stick with me. Who's calling on the name of the Lord? People who went to Canaan. People who went to Enoch. People who had been sinning, who had given their life over to sin, and they'd went to Enoch, and they'd went with Cain, they'd went the way of Cain, and they followed him, and all the music, and all the party, and all the fun, and all, the, all that they were doing in Enoch. And when they finally came to themselves like the prodigal son, and they realized, oh my, what have I done? Verse 20, 26 of Genesis chapter 4, Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Will you hear me? Do you know who gets to call on the name of the Lord? Wicked Awful sinners. People who do not deserve it. And I can't fathom this, and you can't really fathom this, other than God, you cannot fathom this, because you and I, we're not this good. We're not this forgiving. There was a young man when I was in school, he got me in all kinds of trouble. He kept calling me a name every time I'd walk by him, and one day I got mad and I turned around and kicked his backpack and I told him I could whoop him. I got suspended from school for terroristic threatening in the third degree. And I got community service. I was, I'm not kidding. I was so mad at that kid. I mean, I was mad at him. Later on, I was working on a roof. I was like 19, 20 years old. I was working on a roof with a, a church group. We were repairing a roof. And this other guy who was in Bible college with me, he goes, you know so-and-so, the guy that got me kicked out of school, he goes, you know so-and-so, he lives right there. I mean, you could probably see the anger in my face. And then he said this, like a jerk. He said, why don't, why don't we go over there and go knock on his door and share Jesus with him? You want to know what I said? No, you do it. Literally what I told him. Five, six years later, I looked at him and said, no, you do it. I'm not saying that to boast. I'm saying that because we're wicked. I was so mad at this guy five years later that I refused to go knock on his door and share Jesus with him, even though he was right down the street from me. Why? Because I'm a wicked human. Catch this. 
All these people that God created are all running to Enoch. They're running to Cain. They're going the way of Cain. And what is God doing? Is He pouring lighter fluid on the earth? Is He, is he lighting the match ready to get us? He's inviting us to come back. Are, are you with that? What does God do in a wicked world? What would I do to a wicked world? I'd kick that thing like a soccer ball. But what's God do? He calls us back. Enosh is born, and when Enosh is born, God starts, men start calling on the name of the Lord. And do you know what I know from the Bible? Turn to this one. Turn to this one in your Bible. This comes out of the book of Acts. Look at the book of Acts. I've lost my spot. Excuse me, I said Acts. Romans chapter, I don't know what I'm thinking saying Acts. I skipped my one in Acts. That was my last point. Man, Romans 10 and 13. Look at Romans. And I know you know it, but you turn there anyways. It's good practice. Some of you are like, I don't have to turn to that one. I can quote it. Well, you turn and you look because it's better to read it. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. You ready for this? Genesis chapter 4. From, from, you turn to, to Romans. No, I'm not telling you to change. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. But in Genesis chapter 4 and, and verse 26, what do we read? Men begin to call on the name of the Lord. And what do we read in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13? For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. saved. What was God willing to do with the people who went to, to Enoch, who went to Cain? He was willing to save them. And He was willing to bring them back. Because that's what God does. When the whole world is wicked. You know who needs a physician? Those who are sick. The Pharisees thought they were well. And Jesus said, it's not the well. The well don't need a physician. And Jesus himself said this. He said he didn't come to call those who were righteous. He came to call who? The sinners. And if you have a Bible that admits the last part, you need to get rid of it and get a better Bible. Because that verse finishes with this. He came to call the sinners to repentance. Do you get that? Jesus came to call sinners to himself. To draw them to himself to say, come out of Enoch, come out from Cain, and come with me. Who called on the name of the Lord? The sinful. And they turned back to God. Now, we've got to keep going or I'll be here all day. Genesis chapter 5, and now look at verse 21. Well, I don't want to skip anything, so I'm going to read through them here. So in verse 12, Canaan, so Enosh had Canaan. Now verse 12, Canaan lived 70 years and begot Mahaliel. After he begot Mahaliel, Canaan lived 840 years and... And he had sons and daughters, and so all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. Mahaliel lived 65 years, and he had Jared. Now we're getting somewhere. And after he had Jared, Mahaliel lived 830 years, and he had sons and daughters. And so all the days of Mahaliel were 895 years, and Jared lived 162 years, and he begot Enoch. This is going to get interesting. After he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800, and 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. And so all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. And after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And verse 24, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, if you, if you don't know what just happened, if you say, what do you mean God took him? Turn in your Bibles, real quick, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. We're going to get an explanation. What do we mean God took him? Enoch was walking with God and God takes him. Everybody else, it's, and he died, and he died, and he died. Adam, and he died, and this guy in his years, and he died, and Mahaliel, and he died, and Jared, and he died. But we get to Enoch, 
And Enoch walked with God 300 years and he was not because God took him. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. Just stop for a moment. Don't turn from there. We're going to read the rest of that. But, but do you understand what happened to Enoch? He didn't die. God took him out of the earth. He literally plucked him out. He said, your, your work here is done. I'm taking you out. And Enoch didn't have to die. He's only one of two guys in the Bible that we've seen this happen to. He did not have to die. That happens with Enoch and it happens with Elijah. He doesn't, he doesn't taste death in a physical sense. God took him out. Let's finish up in Hebrews 11 and verse 5. And he was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Get that? You must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Enoch, we know this. I don't have time to, to turn us to this because I'm probably already... I shouldn't even look because it'll just make me all... I'll rush. So let's just, we don't want to skip this. What happened, with, what happened with Enoch is what? Enoch was walking with God. Now, I know from Jude, we could look there, but we won't. We could look in Jude and see Enoch was a prophet. Enoch was prophesying. Enoch was warning people of, of devastation that was going to come. And some people get confused and think he was talking about Noah. But if you really read it in Jude, Enoch was actually talking about what would happen in the, in the very end. Like, like further than the flood. Enoch was prophesying about, all, about the very end of the age. And I don't know, maybe Enoch had crowds of people who would throng him. Men were calling on the name of the Lord. Maybe Enoch had a part of that. After Enosh, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Maybe Enoch was hosting revivals. I don't know whether he was. Or maybe he was like, maybe he was like a, a Jeremiah and maybe no one was being converted. But maybe lots of people were being converted. But will you pay attention to this? God did not take him out. Because he prophesied. God didn't take him out because he was a great preacher. God didn't take him out. God didn't pull him out because, because he studied so much of the word. Why did God take him out? What's Hebrews say and what else does it say in, in Genesis? God took him out because he walked with God. Will you listen to this? God rewards the faithful. What does God do in the midst of a wicked world? Everything is going... The world is getting more and more and more wicked in Genesis. We'll see, it's going to get so bad that God floods the entire earth. That's how bad it'll get. And in the midst of that, God is rewarding those who are faithful. Enoch walked with God. We don't hear that God, that God took him because he was so good of a preacher. We hear that God took him because he walked with him. Will you hear this? The one thing God wants from you is this. He wants you to walk with him. Take everything else out of the picture. And you know what God wants from you? He wants you to walk with Him. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. He wants to know you and He wants you to know Him. And He wants you to live your life dedicated to that. For 300 years, Enoch is walking with God. And while he walks with God, what did God do? He rewarded him. And how did He reward him? He took him out so he didn't have to taste death. And everybody better get this. That is the very same thing He offers you. Because though we may physically die, we will never actually die if we trust in Him. My body will go into the ground, but the very moment that my body, is, that my body dies, my soul and my spirit are with God the Father. They are with Jesus who is my Savior because Jesus has died for me and I put my faith in Him. 
Would you like to know God? You say, how can I walk with God? I'll tell you a real simple way. Start by going through the door. Who's the door? Jesus is. You want to walk with God, it starts with you putting your faith in Jesus. It doesn't start, I know, I know I'm going to say it real hard, but you know it didn't start because you came to church this morning, right? That's not how you walk with God. That, that's after we have a relationship with God. But, but understand that coming to church is not walking with God. That doesn't do it. You won't stand before God one day and say, well, I, I went to church. Because that's not what he wants to know. He wants you to come through his son Jesus, who is the door. He wants you to trust him who's the good shepherd. He wants you to drink of him who's living water. He wants you to walk with him. Enoch, I don't read of all the exciting things of Enoch's life. I read of what seems like the simple and the plain. He walked with God and then he was not. God took him. I got to move on because I got two more points and I didn't look at the time. So I really don't know what it is. Look, one more. Here's, uh, well, two more. Verse 25, Methuselah lived 187 years and he begot Lamech. And after he begot Lamech, Methuselah lived 20, uh, excuse me, seven, where'd 20 come from? 782 years. And he had sons and daughters. And so all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. Now, what's important about Methuselah? First of all, understand this. Methuselah is the oldest recorded. He's the oldest living recorded person. Nobody ever lived longer than that as far as we can tell. Nobody in the Bible is recorded to live longer. One guy got close at 962, but Methuselah lived 969 years. Now, what's interesting about Methuselah is this. Do you know what happened after Methuselah died? The flood. The earth becomes so wicked that God flooded the earth and he kills everybody. And and everybody except eight. And I'm going to get back to that in just a second. He wipes out. The people on the planet. And what's interesting to me is this. There was a few years ago, some people might remember a few years ago, I was having this uh, email conversation with a young woman who was struggling about God. And one of, her, one of her complaints against God was the flood. It always came back to how could God? How could God flood the entire earth? How could he flood and kill everybody? I mean, what about women? What about children? What about, what about, listen, are you with this? God makes a whole new line. The world is going crazy. The world is wicked. And God makes this new line from Seth. And from Seth comes all these guys. We're listing all these guys. They're calling on the name of the Lord with Enosh. And he's bringing them back to himself. And there's Enoch who's prophesying. This is the godly line that God is, crea- that God is, is preserving. A faithful line that God is preserving. And when you get to this guy, Methuselah, the world around him is going nuts. And Methuselah is walking with the Lord. And it's not until after Methuselah dies... That God floods the earth. I want you to stick with me. God was giving so much time to come back to him. I want to flip it on you and I want you to count it in the other way. Do you remember Sodom and Gomorrah? You know that story, right? Sodom and Gomorrah. Most everybody who's a a believer in any way knows the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember Abraham was saying to to God, he said, "What what if there's 50 people in the city that are good? And God says, okay, if there's 50, I won't destroy the city. Be patient with me, Lord, but i got to ask again, what if there's 40? Okay, if there's 40 people, God said he won't destroy. What if there's 30? God said, I won't destroy it. He said, what if there's 20? Don't be mad at me, but what if there's 20 people in the city? God says, okay, fine, 20. I won't destroy it with 20. God, don't be mad at me, but what if there's 10? God, would you destroy an entire city if there were still 10 good people? And do you remember what God said to Abram, to Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah? He said, even if there's 10, okay, you're right. Even if there's 10, I won't destroy it. 
Will you stick with me? You know how many people got on the ark? Eight. I want to flip it on you and say it the other way. You know what God was doing? If we had waited any, much longer, the next generation, the next generation, eventually there would have been nobody of faith. God let it get down to it was at the wire. There's eight people left. And he lets them go on the ark. And he even waits until Methuselah dies. Why? Because God is patient and long-suffering toward us that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. When the whole world is wicked, what is God doing? He preserves faith. When the whole world is wicked, what is God doing? He's calling men back to himself. When the whole world is wicked, what is God doing? God is rewarding those who are walking with him. When the whole world is wicked, what is God doing? He is giving us plenty of time to come back to him. God, can I say it? Can I be crude and say it this way? God doesn't want you to drown in a pool of your own vomit and your sin. God wants you to come back to Him, and He's given you all kinds of time to do it, and He's even giving you this morning. I've got one more, and then I'll end. I promise I'll make it short. Look, Methuselah lived 187 years. He begot Lamech. Lamech after, uh, after he begot Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years, and he had sons and daughters, and so all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Lamech lived 182 years, and he had a son and called him Noah. What did he have to say about Noah? This one will comfort us concerning our work and, our toil, and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. Do you get it? Lamech has Noah. Now we know the story of Noah, right? Noah and the ark. Noah's the one with his family that goes and builds the ark and they end up being the the people that repopulate the whole earth after God floods the earth. We know Noah. Noah's dad. Noah's dad has something to say to him. He says, this one's going to comfort us. This one's going to comfort us. And how's he going to comfort us? Concerning the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. His dad Lamech, he wanted a relief, but the relief that he wanted was from the work of his hands. He said, I'm going to get that work. Noah, this one's going to bring us comfort. And if you look at the story of Noah, at first it doesn't seem like he brought much comfort, right? I mean, Noah and then the whole world is flooded. That doesn't seem very comforting. But Noah did bring comfort because it was from Noah's line. Because Noah and his family were the only ones left. It was Noah and his sons and his sons' wives that ended up bringing the Savior Christ. And in Christ is comfort and hope. So I want you to hear this. I was going to talk a little longer about this, but I've got to cut it off. And so I want you to hear this, though. You've got to catch this. The comfort and hope that God offers may not be exactly what you were thinking. Lamech thought it would be from the toil of his hands. Did his toil ever stop? No. Did the earth get flooded? Yeah. That wasn't a pretty sight for Lamech and and all the rest of the people that were in Enoch and all those cities that were built. That was an ugly scene and it doesn't look very good. But listen, God was preserving a faithful line that would bring Christ into the world so that you and I, that we could be saved. And we have this tendency to look at at the world around us and we see all this darkness and it's easy to think, what in the world is God doing? And I'm telling you exactly what God is doing. He is offering to bring hope. And he is offering to bring comfort. And it's not by giving you, listen, it's not by giving you a new job or a better relationship or a better marriage. It's not by giving you more money. It's not by getting you out of your situation. It's not by helping you with your legal stuff. It's not by any of that. Do you know how God offers you comfort? In the best way possible. Ultimate comfort through his son, Jesus. So the whole world is wicked. And what is God doing? I just gave you five things that God is doing. I used to have this projector, 
I bought a projector for my house. And, and I didn't know anything about buying a projector. And so my wife knows me. I, I'm like, I'm going to research it because that's what I do. And so I, I pull out my computer and I start researching a projector. And I'm looking into like things that I don't really know what I'm reading about contrast and ratio and whatever. And I don't know anything about them. And so I bought me this projector and I put it up and I built this screen and I hung the screen. And I turned the projector on and the lights were on and we looked at the screen. And you could see a little light on the projector. But when you looked at the screen, you couldn't see anything. I mean, not a thing. You could see this little tiny light when the lights were on, but you couldn't, see, you couldn't see anything on the screen. It wasn't until we turned the lights all the way off. I mean, we had to, like, black out drapery lining in the windows, totally black the room out before you could finally see the picture that was clear. Hey, listen. I know that the world looks really bleak, but the more wicked the world looks, the more clearly we can see that Christ is the only answer. Everything else won't do. It's only in him that we can find salvation. So I close with this. I I don't know everybody in the room today. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Or have you been looking somewhere else? Because we just read what God does in a wicked world. And I'd be willing to say if you looked at the news, we're in a pretty wicked world. Are you willing to listen to God who preserves faith and makes a way back to himself and rewards the faithful? And he gives you plenty of time to come to him. And you're here today. Why not make today the day that you come back to the Lord? Let's all stand up and go to the Lord in prayer.